Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Business. I am your host, Todd Schnick. Today's guest is a gentleman who I've had the pleasure of chatting with many times over the years. Frankly, it's been a little too long since we've had a conversation, so glad to have him back on the show. He's written about 500 books, and so he's got another one coming out that we're principally here to talk about. And he has sent me an agenda, though I have every reason to believe we will go in a million different directions from that, just by the nature of our typical conversations. Going to be a great chat. Joined today by Jeb Blunt. He's an author, speaker, and CEO of Sales Gravy and the author of a new book that we're here to talk about called Sales EQ. Jeb, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am glad to be back, and it has been too long. Yeah, so gosh, I'm quite certain this audience that listens to this show is quite familiar with you and the work that you do. But just in case, take a few quick seconds, tell us a bit about you, your background and the work that you're out there doing. Uh, you know, I'm, I run a company called Sales Gravy. We're a consulting organization. We provide training and development services to companies across the globe. We run Sales Gravy University, which is our online learning platform where we do a lot of instructor-led remote learning for our corporate clients. And we basically focus on all things sales. And, you know, my background is I've been I've worked in every possible situation you can imagine from, you know, from frontline to executive suite in startups all the way to Fortune 500. And I, you know, I, I work and advise a, a number of, of executives and boards and companies on on growth acceleration. How, how can they move the needle, increase pipeline velocity for their organizations? And other than that, I spend most of my time in an airplane yep. <laughs> traveling to, uh, to places near and far. Yep. No, I was going to say, I don't think you actually have a residence. I, I, it's, it's probably seat 4A it, uh, on, <laughs> on various airlines. So Seat 3C. Right. <laughs> That's my favorite seat on the airplane. Got it. So. Got it. So the new book out is called Sales EQ, How Ultra High Performers Leverage Sales-Specific Emotional Intelligence to Close the Complex Deal. So, gosh, how to lead this off? Let me ask it this way. Why in the world did the world need another book on sales? <laughs> that is a, the beautiful question, and not a single interviewer has asked me that question yet. And Sales EQ is the answer to n a number of books on sales that have hit the marketplace and really taken the, 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 the sales world by storm. Uh, one of those books is The Challenger Sale, which I'm sure you're familiar with. CEB published the book. It was a, you know, a worldwide bestseller. And a lot of companies, a lot of companies adopted the challenger model for their sales process and sales training. And many, many, many of my clients who had done that were failing at it. So all the promises of challenger weren't actually being actualized in the real world. And one of the things that I noticed when we were being called in as consultants to try to fix some of these issues were, and especially we were working with a lot of millennials who were having difficulty on the relationship side, is that 
even though challenger and insight selling and you know help selling and learning selling and all these other ways of from the modern standpoint of trying to take the modern buyer and give them more value they weren't really translating very well i mean they sounded good in a book they sounded great in a seminar but when people were actually trying to do this with real clients it wasn't working very well and the the thing that was missing was the emotional intelligence component and and what that basically, you know, I guess comes down to is, yeah, you can challenge status quo. Yes, you can provide insight and teach your client. Yes, you can help them and lead them and add value. And all of these things that all the modern people are talking about and all these sales books are talking about. But you can't do that if the person doesn't like you. And you certainly can't do that if you haven't earned the right to do that. And you can't go into the office of a 50-year-old entrepreneur when you're 24 and tell them that they're doing it all wrong or teach them a different way of doing it and have any credibility at all if you haven't earned that right. So what we did in Sales EQ was basically create the bridge that connects the real world with these modern sales processes. Nothing is wrong with them. I think all have viability and I think they work very, very well with the people that are able to actualize them. And But the problem is that there's just this really small group of people, and we call them ultra-high performers, that have the ability to actualize those, those, those programs. And Sales EQ gives the average salesperson, the, you know, the normal human being, the person who's just starting their sales career, the ability to learn those frameworks, those influence frameworks, learn how to manage their own disruptive emotions, learn how to move a deal through the sales process, learn how to status, you know, to challenge status quo, earn the right to teach and provide insight and do it in a way that brings the buyer along with them. And I feel confident that we've created that bridge because as we've employed this over the last couple of years with our client base, who have adopted these modern sales processes, we're seeing significant improvement in results. And honestly, we're seeing salespeople who feel a lot better about themselves because they're going out and they're spending time with prospects and and the relationships are actually there and, and it's a lot more fun than walking in and you know and just you know being being treated you know very poorly because the relationship didn't exist and they never and it never was going to exist. Well, people forget that you're actually selling to a human being here, right? I mean, we we they have issues, they have problems, they have emotions, they have complexities in their organization, they they have marital troubles, they have kids late for soccer. I mean, they have a million things going on and we can't understand why they don't quickly respond to our sales pitch. I, I, I did somersaults when I saw the title of this book, Sales EQ, because I think emotional intelligence has been the big missing factor in modern sales. I mean, why why is emotional intelligence now so important? I mean, what's the, what's the environment that we're dealing with that requires EQ to, to be the big factor here? Well, if you think about the modern environment, just think about the, the normal buyer. Okay, so you're let's say you want to buy, you know, something for your business, and like you said, there's all these complexities, and you got all these other things going on in your life. First of all, buyers are busy, and they're not busy because there's so much busy work to do. They're busy because they're being just inundated by information everywhere. I mean, I I, mean, I wake up in the morning, and my entire day is just a stream of, of information hitting me from all places. Some of it is on purpose. Some of it is just coming at me and I'm not asking for it. So you already, you've got that going on. That creates emotional issues for buyers because they're in a hurry. The second thing is that everything in the marketplace looks the same. 
every explainer video looks the same, every website looks the same, all the pitches look the same. I mean, you you get into indie industry and you put all the competitors next to each other, you line up just just line up their websites and I do this for marketing organizations. And if you're someone doing research online, because that's the big, you know, that's the big lie of the modern world is that the buyer is, you know, 80% of the way through the sales process before they call a salesperson. I mean, if you if you're a buyer, it's confusing because all the promises are the same. So you have that happening. And at the same time, you have this disruptive economy where it's really easy for competitors to come and go in the marketplace. So you've got a lot of me too competitors that are just jumping in. Plus, in the middle of all that, if you're a company, you know, you wake up every day and you look at the Wall Street Journal and another business is out of business because some 23-year-old created an app that disrupted the entire marketplace. Now, most companies are not going to be disrupted that way. I mean, that's just, you know, that's that's hype that we get in the in, in you know on the news. But that doesn't mean that they don't feel that way. So they feel like you know, they're under siege. And in that perfect storm, like in that moment, they're clinging to the status quo, right? They are confused and they're scared and they've got all these other things happening. And the penalty in a disruptive marketplace for making a mistake is massive. So in all of that, right, the things that salespeople typically do, right, they, they have a, a great command of their product knowledge. They understand everything about their, their their systems and their processes and their solutions. They've been through like the elevator pitch, which I saw someone teaching this the other day ago, and I was just laughing. I was like, that's the most ridiculous thing oh. ever. They're teaching a bunch of salespeople to do an elevator pitch. Like there's nothing more unlikable than an elevator pitch. So you're doing that. And, you know, they've got these these cool technology stacks. Like they've, So they've got all this technology. So they're armed with product knowledge. They're armed with elevator pitch. They're armed with, you know, a technology stack. And then they go read, like, the challenger. And the challenger teaches them, this is how you control the sales call, which is basically you talk and the person listens to you, right? So, so you're doing all of this stuff, and the buyers are just absolutely exasperated with it. And so you've got this emotional stew that the buyer is in because of all that. But at the same time, the biggest impediment for salespeople are their own disruptive emotions, their own insecurities, their own fears, their own doubts. They they have a, a need to be accepted, so they're attached to to people liking them. They have their you know the probably the most disruptive emotion for salespeople is their insatiable need to feel significant. I mean, so that's one of the reasons why they talk so much and, and don't ask enough questions. You know, they've got pressure on them for you know for the pipeline. You know, and at one point, you know, they understand that they need to be empathetic, but their empathy in a lot of cases gets in the way of, uh, of the outcome that they're looking for. So they feel too pushy, so they project. So you've got all of these emotions that they feel, you've got all the emotions that the buyer feels, and it's a big problem. And if you look at most sales conversations, like the, the way most, most sales conversations are initiated, the buyer begins at the emotional level. You do this and I do this, right? We ask a basic question of the person that we're, that's trying to sell us something. Do I like you? I mean, that's just a basic, and it's basic human, and it happens at the subconscious level and the conscious level. Do I like you? Are you a threat to me? Can you help me? Are you a, a person that I'd want to hang out with? And the salesperson begins this, the, this, you know, the, the, the sales conversation at the logic level. They start pitching the things that they do. They start talking about their company, how big they are, what they, you know, their the the number of customers they have, their the the details about their product, and and so you've got this problem in this emotional stew where the buyer and the seller are almost always out of sync emotionally because they're starting in the wrong place. And by the time you get to the end of the sale, 
the salesperson is incredibly emotional because they don't want to lose the deal and they've invested in it emotionally. And the buyer is more logical. They're just asking simple questions about how, where they spend their money. So in this world, like this is why like emotional intelligence, you know, which is simply the salesperson's ability to manage their own emotions and be aware of those and to be able to perceive and respond appropriately to the emotions of the buyer – I mean, that's all so, you know, emotional intelligence is, it's become more important than ever. I mean, it is, it is truly, in our tech-dominated world, the meta-skill of the 21st century. Mm. Well, that's so important to think about, because even the tenor of my question was the buyers are emotional. I didn't talk about the salespeople. They are as emotional, if not more so, I know, than I am. Uh, and that's, that's really, we're not willing to think about that sometimes. So that's critical. Before we go to break, one final question. I mean, the, here's how I really simplify my view of this book and its message is that buyers have more power than they've ever had before. We talk now, it's now it's sellers beware almost. Most people look at that as a negative. I think the lessons of this book is to teach us how to look at that as a positive and, and to leverage that, right? Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the fact that the buyer has more information and more power than ever before is a good thing. I mean, because if you think about that, all of a sudden, every competitor is on equal playing field. Everybody is. And the, the salesperson's job, right, the way you, what you get paid for is to bend win probability in your company's favor. So every, every, you know, every salesperson goes in, each of them has a probability of closing the deal. If my probability is higher than yours, then it's likely that I'm going to close the deal. And the way I explain it to salespeople is this. If your company has a website and a buy button on it, and the buyer can go to your website, look up all your information, look at your explainer video, and click buy, and there's an 80% probability when they hit that page, they'll click buy, they don't need salespeople. Yep. Because because there's no there's I don't need you to bend win probability in my favor. Most products and services that are sold at least in business to business and in, in high end B two C sales, they don't work that way. There's a human to human contact. So all of a sudden, from a salesperson standpoint, I love the way you said power. The power is in the buyer standpoint because the buyer has information. But this is something that we just tell ourselves. It's a myth. Yes, the buyer has more information than ever before, but that doesn't make them more powerful. That just makes them – that just makes the, 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 the fact that you as a salesperson no longer own the information channel. What you own now is the emotional channel. And sellers can be more powerful than ever because all of a sudden with all the information in hand, the only thing that remains is moving the buyer emotionally to choose you. And the fallacy that all the marketers have out there, so if there's marketers listening, the fallacy of the sales trainers have, the fallacy that most of the people writing sales books have is that buyers are making decisions on empirical evidence and data. And what every single neuroscientist tells us everywhere, everywhere, is that that is not how human beings make decisions. All the evidence stacked on all the evidence says that human beings make decisions with the heart first and then the mind. And so for the salesperson, you gain unbelievable power when you understand how to influence the heart. But this is, this is what you just pointed out. If you don't manage your own emotions, right, if you can't rise above your own emotions, emotional intelligence, you'll never have the ability to influence the emotions of other people. Mm. All right. We're going to dive into this a bit more in the second half. For right now, Jeb Blunt and I will return after this quick break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. 
Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, I'm back with Jeb Blunt, speaker, CEO of Sales Gravy, and the author of a new book called Sales EQ. So I saw something that you wrote where you said that the top earners are acutely aware that the experience of buying from them is far more important than products, prices, features, and solutions. And that's going to blow the head of most salespeople out there. And really, that's kind of what you were talking about in the end of that first half there. But, but go deeper in that, what, what this experience of buying from a salesperson, what that really means. Well, if you think about what most tech companies are doing, especially SaaS companies, and, and in essence what Disney has done so well for all the years and Marriott's done so well, is they focused on customer experience. And in the marketing world, in the, and especially when I'm talking to CMOs and I'm with you know doing brand talks around customer experience, I mean for me, customer experience is the new marketing, right? So if you're a consumer level product, product, the better the customer experience, the better, the more likely that consumers will continue to to buy from you, that they'll write nice things about you online, and that they'll they'll spread word that you're you know you're a great person or you're a great company to do business with. But that buying experience, like we forgot about that on the B2B side. I mean, we've always thought on the consumer side, you've got to create these great experiences for consumers. But on the B2B side, like as soon as we walk into that conversation, it's like we put our business hat on and all of that thought process around the customer's emotional experience goes away. But but there's a good bit of data, and I, and I expect that there will be more studies on this coming out soon, that says that at least – um, 50% or more of the buyers, and let's say in complex deal stakeholders, because you know the buyer is just one person, but you've got a lot of influencers. Uh, the stakeholder, the buyer's uh, propensity to either choose your product or to advocate for you in the sales process is based on their emotional experience of dealing with you. And that emotional experience is, you know, through a complex sale, can be uh, 18 months long or a year long. And I'll give you a, just a tremendous example of this. I've got one of my software clients, enterprise level software. These these are anywhere from half million dollar to two million dollar deals. They're typically signing up for life because the software, once you put it in, taking it out is very difficult. The, the, the typical sales cycle is around two years, and that begins way before budgets even put together for you know for the spend. And I've got this uh, this rep that I've been mentoring and we've been getting him ready to take on a sales management role. I was speaking at this company's user conference and went down to their offices to have a have a, a meeting with Jeff and have just have a conversation with him and I, he, I was listening to him coach one of the younger reps and I'm I just I'm just overhearing this conversation and she's having a hard time because she came from a business where she could sell things a lot faster and in this business it's just a long cycle so she just she wasn't getting the you know the constant validation of closing a deal that she was used to 
And he said, listen, you know, you just got to be patient. You got to take your time. It's, you know, it just takes a while. And he started telling her about this deal he had just closed. And it was a half a million dollar software deal. He spent 18 months trying to get it closed. And he said, listen, and he started, the way he explained this, you just got to be there to, to, to experience this. He said, listen, I, you know, I closed the deal. I called them up and asked them, why do they do business with me? And the lady that I'd been working with, the, the stakeholder I'd been working with said that they just liked me a lot because I was the only rep that sent birthday cards and kept up with them on holidays and, and was just always, you know, there just, just, just being nice. And he says, see, it just takes time. And afterwards, I grabbed him and said, are you serious? That, that, that's why they, she said she did business with you because you sent her birthday cards? And he said, he said, yeah, they just like me more. And they think about that. This is a half a million dollar software spin that has massive implications to this company. It's really risky. And they ended up picking him over the competitors because they liked him more. Well, how many, because, how many corporate sales processes that are engraved and granted on the on the wall say step 17 send birthday cards <laughs> they don't right they don't like they don't teach that now now i can tell you that corporate programs going back to a convert you know the, the earlier question you asked me most corporate programs do talk a little bit about human you know influence frameworks what they always miss though is teaching the salespeople how to manage their own disruptive emotions see where he won and that deal was he had the patience to stick with it. He had the the mental acuity, the, the intellectual acuity to know that if I send a birthday card that reminds them of me, that I'm being nice. And and in truth, he was a really nice person. I mean, he got that. But he did something, and Jeff is a brilliant at this. He does something that's the foundation of sales EQ. And that's something called dual process. So dual process says that that salespeople, and this is especially true in a commercial relationship, which is an essentially an artificial relationship where two parties who typically don't trust each other come together, and each of them is trying to get an outcome that is in their best interest. That's that's the commercial relationship. And great salespeople like Jeff, they understand the emotional side, like building that buyer experience and creating that journey along the way. But they also understand that they have to do like that. They have to create the journey, like they have to progress forward. So. They are both empathetic. They're able to step into their prospect's shoes. They're able to, to understand them and get to know them. And they feel you know, what's important to them. And they are able to connect emotionally. And they're able to flex their style to, to the, the, the preferred um, you know, communication style and persona of the buyer and the stakeholder. They're able to do all those things. And at the same time, they never forget that they're there for an outcome. They never forget that the sales process is not about the relationship. It's about closing the deal or it's about getting to the next step or it's about getting to the next stakeholder. It's about leveling up to the C-level. And this is really difficult, right? Because this takes a huge amount of emotional control. I have to be empathetic and I have to be outcome driven. And this is the equilibrium that nobody's teaching in sales right. because it's either this, right? It's either empathy. Empathy is the most important thing. And so we hire a bunch of hyper-empathic people, people who have more empathy. And the problem is, is they're great at building relationships and people love them, but the relationships always get in the way of closing the deal. On the flip side of that, you've got companies that are building people who are basically self-centric narcissists who they, they manipulate, they, they do everything they possibly can to close the deal as fast as they can with the least amount of emotional involvement. The ultra-high performers, 
the, the top one, two, three percent of earners across all sales organizations, they, they operate in dual process. They do both. They are empathetic and they're outcome oriented. And what I'm saying to you intuitively, like there's a handful of people that just do it without having be, to be taught. But most salespeople need a set of frameworks that allow both of those things to happen at the same time. From, from you know, how do you qualify to how do you ask questions to how do you manage your emotions when this happens to you or the buyer says this or you're dealing with this particular type of stakeholder. And if we can teach those things in the context of all the emotions, right, in the context of emotional intelligence, you create really powerful salespeople who can roll through whatever corporate process you have. I mean, sales EQ is, is process agnostic, but you can roll through those things and you can be phenomenally successful. And if you don't teach those frameworks, the, the typical human being, me and you and everybody else, we don't have that level of awareness of either our emotions or the people that we're dealing with. And so we end up becoming basically these, you know, these robots that walk through this linear sales process, but we forget that that the buyer has a process as well, both a linear process for buying and a, a nonlinear process for making decisions. And we have to we have to wrap all that up and we have to do it in a way that is that is simple enough that normal people can actualize it in the real world with real prospects and buyers. Because that's where sales happens, is actually in the real world. And I think people <laughs> forget right. that. I mean, you, I, I, I mean, I've written for a long, long time about this idea that I hate these formalized, standardized scripts that people are required to say in this formal sales process. That, that And where, 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 where the real problem comes is when a sales manager slaps someone on the wrist for not following the process exactly. I mean, it's a framework. It is a guideline. Mm -hmm. And in essence, what you're saying is you have to empower Power people to be able to deal with the human factors, and as we now understand, on both sides of the ledger, I mean that's in essence what empowering people is: is saying, "Hey, you have emotional intelligence, use it." I mean, despite all that, I mean, you you're, you're still teaching this book that you ought to quote control the sales conversation, despite the fact that you need to humanize the the, the dialogue and and recognize that you have to take every opportunity and manage it in a different way that that's conducive to that human, you still have to control the conversation, right? I mean, and how do you do that with this? Well, so, so this is, you know, this to me is the, the, the biggest misnomer in the sales world right now. So I don't think there's anybody not teaching salespeople, you need to be in control of the conversation. Why? Because buyers have more power than they've ever before. So if you don't get control of the conversation, you end up losing. The problem is, is that this translates to most people that controlling the conversation means that you need to be doing all the talking. You need to be offering insight. You need to be challenging. You need to be helping. You need to be adding value, right? But you can't add value unless you are valuable. And you're not going to be valuable unless you understand your, your prospect's business, and you're not going to understand your prospect's business by doing a bunch of research online. You're going to understand your prospect's business by listening to them, letting them tell you what's important to them. The, the individual stakeholder, and, and if you have a, a large account, you may have a, a big array of stakeholders. Each of those individuals, right, especially in a B2B environment, they're spending someone else's money to solve their problems. And each of them believes that their problems are unique. So if you think that controlling the process is walking in and telling them that they're not unique, that you have a solution for them, that you're pitching whatever, you're going to lose. 
the, the key is understanding that to be in control of the conversation, you should be asking the questions. And this is really, you know, the heart of sales. And the, the, the thing that I, again, I think most sales trainers and authors get wrong is that most people believe that the sexy part of sales is closing the deal. I mean, we love that, like the art of the deal is close the deal. The reality is, is that the sexy part of sales is asking questions, it's discovery. That's where you begin to get your prospect talking. You begin to learn about them. You begin to get them to open up emotionally. You begin to trigger something called the self-disclosure loop that allows them not only to tell you their problems that they have on the surface, but to get below the surface and show you what they're most emotionally connected to. Once you understand that, everything else is easy, right? Because then you can begin basically bridging and connecting the dots between the solutions that you offer, how you're going to solve their problem to the pain or the opportunity or the emotions that they are feeling. And what I teach salespeople to do is to gain control by both flipping the buyer script, so using non-complimentary behavior and disrupting expectations, which to the brain, if I disrupt an expectation, it looks new or different or and it, and it grabs attention. And there are any really easy frameworks that you can use to do that. So I teach you how to do that, but I also teach you you know, how to ask questions in a way that's fluid. So as you said, the, and one of the problems with, you know, like we give people scripts, but I don't think a lot of people necessarily understand that you go to a corporate sales training or you go to read a book or, or whatever, there's like this linear way that you ask questions. And, you know, spin selling, one of the greatest books ever written, um, it, you know, what Neil Rackham did was say, okay, if you ask these questions in this order, then you're going to get a better result. Your win probability is going to go up. And Neil Rackham is exactly right. If you ask the spin questions in that order, your win probability goes up. In the hands of an ultra high performer, that doesn't that doesn't sound like a whole lot of questions, right? It's a it's a conversation. It's it's happening in real time. It's it, the questions are being built inside the conversation based on what the, the stakeholder, the buyer, the prospect is saying. In the hands of an average salesperson or a person who doesn't understand how human beings interact with each other emotionally, it sounds like an interrogation. There's a list of questions, they're scripted, and the salesperson goes down the list of questions, and sadly, a lot of them, they don't even make it through all their questions because as soon as they hear something that they feel like they can pitch, they pounce on it. We call it <laughs> pumping and pouncing, right? So you yep. never get through that. But in the hands of an ultra-high performer, a person with high emotional intelligence, these conversations are masterful. The questions are being asked, right? Dual process. They're they're standing there empathetic. But in the words of one of the the, the CEOs that I interviewed for the book, who is um, an, you know, built an incredible company and an amazing salesperson who built it because he's a salesperson, he said, "My goal is to walk into a conversation and ask as few questions as I possibly can." And, and get them as much information as I possibly can. And what he's saying is, if you ask the right questions and the right order, usually you only have to ask two or three because once you get the person talking, once you trigger this neurochemical self-disclosure loop inside a person's brain, they will talk and talk and talk and talk until they cross the TMI zone and then they tell you everything that you need to do to close the sale. Yep, yep. Well, audience, if that, that last bit by Jeb is the difference between a happy, successful, I love to go to work salesperson versus everyone else. So that that is the key. Jeb, we're about out of time. Let's close on this discussion. So someone listening to this who says, okay, emotional intelligence. So clearly that's that's a that's a thing I've got to better understand. It's a skill I've got to enhance. It's a power that I have to un, unleash. 
how do I do that? How do I ascertain where I am on that learning to know what I need to do to to develop that? Because uh, I also want to point out that the book does discuss very specific sales, specific emotional intelligence markers. So you go into this in depth in the book, but just talk about how to actually develop this this ability to which is game changing in sales. So there's three, basically four types of intelligence that are required in sales. One is innate intelligence. That's IQ, right? So it's just how smart you are. And the thing about IQ is that IQ is static. You were born with it. It's in your DNA. In other words, you will never get any smarter than you already are. But you need to have a relatively high IQ in order to be successful in, in the modern sales environment just because it's so complex. Then there's acquired intelligence. We call it AQ, but acquired intelligence is what you learn. So if you read a book, then you acquire intelligence. Acquired intelligence or knowledge makes IQ, your innate intelligence, relevant, and that can be moved and gained. Then there's technological intelligence, and in today's world, that is the person's ability to deal with machine intelligence, machine learning, AI, um, and all kinds of technology in order to give them more time for human relationships. So a lot of people get sucked into technology and are unable to get out of that for human relationships. And there's another group of people who say, I don't really understand technology both groups of people are going to get lost. And just mark my word, in the future, there's going to be two types of people. There are going to be people who are told what to do by computers, and then there are going to be people who tell computers what to do. And you want to be in the latter group. So, And then there's emotional intelligence. And emotional intelligence has been proven to be the one type of intelligence that you can grow, improve, and develop. I mean, you can really build on emotional intelligence. But the, here's the thing about this, and here's the truth, Todd. The reality is, is that I don't have a magic button for how do you become more emotionally intelligent, right? I can show you what you have to do. Like, you, you need to build empathy. You've got to understand the different, you know, communication personas. You have to gain self-awareness. You have to gain self-control. And in sales, you need high drive. And that means competitiveness, optimism, and the need for achievement. All of those things are movable. There's a couple of things that are innate. There's a couple of things that are your talents, right? So you have to, like, for example, where you fit on the empathy scale is where you fit, but you can, you can become aware of where you fit and you can make adjustments so that other people believe or feel that you're more empathetic or that you can adjust down so you can be more outcome driven. But the reality is this. The first step is to understand it, like to read it, understand it, get to know it. That's why I wrote Sales EQ. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do in order to build emotional intelligence. And the second thing you have to do is you have to go practice it every single day of your life. And I think if you read enough on emotional intelligence, you will be convinced that emotional intelligence is the secret to success in today's modern world. Whether it's whether you're a leader, whether you're a fireman, you're a teacher, you're a parent, you're a friend, um, whatever you do in life, the people that have a higher level of emotional intelligence are going to be the ones that are going to outperform everyone. And if you put IQ, AQ, TQ, and EQ together, you're going to dominate the world. But you have to work at this every single day of your life, just like I do, just like you do. I wake up every day, and sometimes I have to start again. But if you have no awareness of it, if you have no frameworks, if you have no logical checks in your life that, that give you feedback, that let you know when your emotional intelligence equilibrium is out of sort – then all you do is you just walk through the world kind of blowing up on people, and that's a really poor way to live. So to answer your question, read this book, and I mentioned a number of books and resources in EQ. Plus, when you buy the book, you get a $2,400 annual membership to Sales EQ, 
to, to our website and that's fr- it's free with the book so you get that and there's a lot more resources in there and so my recommendation to salespeople and I know you've this is something you've written about and talked about a lot is you need to become a student and master of emotional intelligence and this will be a pursuit that you're going to be on for the rest of your life there is no getting off this bus yep yep no the key is just being aware of this is is yes. half the battle and put you ahead of a lot of other people and you're right this is this is nothing that ends after just doing a little bit of learning and all right, check that off done good i can i can just <laughs> focus on other things no this process never ends and as you said Emotional intelligence doesn't just apply to sales. This applies to everything. I mean, everything. So, well, Jeb, gosh, dog, as I suspected, uh, we only need about eight more hours to get through everything we need to talk about here. Unfortunately, we're out of time for today. Before I do let you go, should anyone have any questions, how can they find you? Where can they learn more about Sales Gravy? And most importantly, where can they get their hands on a copy of Sales EQ? Let's start with the book. So you'll be able to buy the book in every Barnes & Noble store across the country. So you should definitely check that out. And you'll be able to get it at Amazon and all the online booksellers like uh, 800 CEO Reads, where you can get them in bulk, and also at uh, at BAM, Books A Million, and, and many others. You can learn more about the book at salesgravy.com, salesgravy.com forward slash sales EQ. And the, there'll, there'll be more information on the book and the, uh, the membership there. You can find me on Twitter. I'm a Twitter nut job. I love Twitter. So I'm at salesgravy on Twitter. I love to, to connect with you on Instagram. I'm at salesgravy on Instagram. Connect me on Facebook. You can uh, type my name in. You'll find my personal page, which is slash at salesgravy. And my professional page, Jeb On Demand. You can check out my YouTube channel, my podcast on iTunes, and I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. So uh, check me out there. Jeb Blunt, the author of a new book called Sales EQ, How Ultra High Performers Leverage Sales-Specific Emotional Intelligence to Close the Complex Deal. Jeb, as always, my friend, great to spend some time with you. Thanks again for stopping by. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. And good luck with the launch. All right. (laughs) All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Jeb Blunt, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Intrepid Business. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to intrepidmailinglist.com. That's intrepidmailinglist.com and sign up. You can also find us at intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.